I'm Bill Ingram, and this is Welcome to Texas, a show about Texas history, lifestyle, and faith here in the Lone Star State. On today's show, we'll hear about how we never know what someone else is going through, the touching story of a cab ride that changed the cab driver's life. We'll take a look back at how Billie Jean King became a household name in professional tennis, and I'll share my story of my first car. That's all coming up on today's Welcome to Texas. Hope On Demand is a brand new mobile app where you can see videos, listen to podcasts, read blogs, and articles to help you grow in your faith. Download the mobile app now on iOS and Android. Just search for Hope On Demand. There are some things you will never forget. Your first date, the first fish you ever caught, and your first car. <laughs> when I was a freshman in high school, mom and dad gave me a new car for my birthday. It was a 1970 Olds Cutlass, baby blue with a white top. It had a built-in AM radio. FM was not popular yet. And I installed a state-of-the-art 8-track tape player with some kicking speakers. I remember gas was only around 36 cents a gallon. Good thing, too, because that 350 V8 engine only got about 8 miles to the gallon. But I loved that car. It was my favorite car of all time. I was the ride to and from school for my buds Wayne and Paul. Every afternoon when the bell would ring at 3.05, signifying the end of the school day, we'd race out to my car, crank up the radio, or plug in a tape for that fancy 8-track I installed. I saw a 1970 Olds Cutlass on the road the other day, brought back some great memories of my first car. Hope On Demand has a brand new podcast called The Art of Friendship. It's hosted by my friend and author, Kim Weir. It's all about creating and keeping relationships that matter. Look for it now wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for The Art of Friendship. One of the most publicized and important sporting matchups in history, the Battle of the Sexes tennis match with Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs was held on September 20th, 1973. Bobby Riggs had boasted that women were inferior to men and couldn't handle the pressure in a big match. That big match was held in Houston at the Astrodome. More than 30,000 people attended the match in person. Another 50 million watched on television, as Howard Cosell called it. It was a dramatic entrance for Billie Jean King coming into the dome, resembling Cleopatra on a gold litter carried by her guards. Bobby Riggs made his entrance in a rickshaw pulled by females. King beat Riggs 6'4", 6'3", 6'3". Billie Jean King made it legit for women to be in professional tennis and was viewed as a huge win for women's rights in general. Billie Jean King became known as the mother of modern sports and became the first woman athlete to be chosen as Sports Illustrated's Sports Person of the Year. She retired with 39 Grand Slam career titles. The home of the U.S. Open, the USTA National Tennis Center, was renamed in Billie Jean King's honor. At the dedication, tennis great John McEnroe said she was the single most important person in the history of women's sports. Several years ago, there was a movie released about the event starring Emma Stone and Steve Carell. Hope On Demand has a podcast called Anything But Quiet Time. It's hosted by my good friends Rochelle and Carter. Each week, they have fun and insightful conversation about what they're learning in their quiet time. You can download it now wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for anything but quiet time. 
Now, this story is not mine. I didn't write it. It was written by a fellow by the name of Kent Nurburn. It's called The Cab Ride. It's a touching story, and I wanted to share it. Twenty years ago, I drove a cab for a living. It was a cowboy's life, a life for someone who wanted no boss. What I didn't realize is that it was also a ministry. Because I drove the night shift, my cab became a moving confessional. Passengers climbed in, sat behind me in total anonymy, and told me about their lives. I encountered people whose lives amazed me and noddled me, made me laugh and made me weep. But none touched me more than a woman I picked up late one August night. I was responding to a call from a small brick fourplex in a quiet part of town. I assumed I was being sent to pick up some partiers or or someone who had just had a fight with a lover or a worker heading to an early shift at some factory in the industrial part of town. When I arrived at 2.30 a.m., the building was dark except for a single light in the ground floor window. Under these circumstances, many drivers would just honk once or twice, wait a minute or two, and then drive away. But I had seen too many impoverished people who depended on taxis as their only means of transportation. Unless a situation smelled of danger, I always went to the door. This passenger might be someone who needs my assistance, I reasoned to myself. So I walked to the door and knocked. Just a minute answered a frail, elderly voice. I could hear something being dragged across the floor, and after a long pause, the door opened. A small woman in her 80s stood before me. She was wearing a print dress and a pillbox hat with a veil pinned to it like somebody out of a 1940s movie. By her side was a small nylon suitcase. The apartment looked as if nobody had lived there for years. All the furniture was covered with sheets. There were no clocks on the walls, no knickknacks or utensils on the counters. In the corner was a cardboard box filled with photos and glassware. Would you carry my bag to the car, she said. I took the small suitcase to the cab and then returned to assist the woman. She took my arm and we walked slowly toward the curb. She kept thanking me for my kindness. It's nothing, I told her. I try to treat my passengers the way I would want my mother treated. Oh, you're such a good boy, she said. When we got in the cab, she gave me the address and then asked, could you drive me through downtown? It's not the shortest way, I answered quickly. Oh, I don't mind, she said. I'm in no hurry. I'm on my way to hospice. I looked in the rearview mirror. Her eyes were glistening. I don't have any family left, she continued. The doctor says I don't have very long. I quietly reached over and shut off the meter. What route would you like me to take, I asked. For the next two hours, we drove through the city. She showed me the building where she had once worked as an elevator operator. We drove through the neighborhood where she and her husband had lived when they were newlyweds. She had me pull up in front of a furniture warehouse that had once been a ballroom where she had gone dancing as a young girl. Sometimes she would ask me to slow in front of a particular building or corner and would just sit staring into darkness, saying nothing. As the first hint of sun was creasing the horizon, she suddenly said, I'm tired, let's go now. We drove in silence to the address she had given me. It was a low building, like a small convalescent home, with a driveway that passed under a portico. Two orderlies came to the cab as soon as we pulled up. They were obviously expecting her. I opened the trunk and took the small suitcase to the door. The woman was already seated in the wheelchair. How much do I owe you, she asked, reaching into her purse. Nothing, I said. Well, you have to make a living, she answered. 
There were other passengers, I responded. Almost without thinking, I bent over and gave her a hug. She held on to me tightly. You gave an old woman a little moment of joy, she said. Thank you. I squeezed her hand and then walked into the dim morning light. Behind me, a door shut. It was the sound of the closing of a life. I didn't pick up any more passengers that shift. I drove aimlessly, lost in thought. For the rest of that day, I could hardly talk. What if that woman had gotten an angry driver or one who was impatient to end his shift? What if I had refused to take the run or had honked once or twice and then drove away? On a quick review, I don't think I have done anything more important in my life. We're conditioned to think that our lives revolve around great moments. But great moments often catch us unaware, beautifully wrapped in what others may consider a small one. People may not remember exactly what you did or what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Well, it's time for me to saddle up and hit the trail. I'm Bill Ingram, and this has been Welcome to Texas, a show about Texas history, lifestyle, and faith here in the Lone Star State. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and I hope you'll join me again for Welcome to Texas.